नमस्ते वेलकम फ्रेंड्स टू आ विराट हिंदुस्तान संगम सोशल मीडिया चैनल्स एंड टू आ शो वर्ड्स ऑफ विजडम ज्ञान गंगा विच वी हैव एवरी संडे एट 8 पी एम विद डॉक्टर सुब्रमण्यम स्वामी टूडे इज आर एपिसोड नंबर 179 एंड वी हैव अ डिस्कशन इन द नेक्स्ट 40 टू 45 मिनट्स विच विल गो ऑन विद ऑन अ न्यू बुक रिटन बाय मिस नम्रता कोहली द नेम ऑफ द बुक इज कल्चर ड्यूरिंग क्राइसिस the book was released by dr swami on friday at a very impressive ceremony in delhi and we are here to discuss this new book i will briefly tell you about the author the writer author journalist namrata kohli has been associated with several national and international media in the past two decades a name to reckon within the journalism industry her articles are across top rated media groups such as business standard network 18 hindustan times the times of india economic times are extremely well received namrata studied english literature at the university of delhi and mass communication at iimc new delhi after which she did an executive course from isb the indian school of business at hyderabad since november 2021 namrata has been working with the ministry of culture as an advisory in an advisory capacity and is currently leading projects which is known as ddr digital district repository as content advisor under the azadi ki amrit mahotsav akam with ccrt center for cultural resources and training in the ministry of culture government of india ddr is a path breaking initiative of government of india to discover and document stories of people events and places linked to the freedom struggle in india at the micro level of the district in short this is an attempt to present the history of india by indians through the indians pers- indians perspective a great believer in the power of culture and heritage of india namrata's latest book is culture during crisis is available on amazon and flipkart in 19 in sorry in 2020 she authored a book called corona positives showing the upside of the pandemic while on a similar theme she also collaborated with gothe and max muller new delhi for a global project titled lockdown lessons we welcome her to our show and as you know all as you all know that virat hindustan sangam under dr swami has been in the forefront on various issues and especially on culture history sanskrit and numerous other aspects so this book is in the right direction so we have namrata kohli with us and in the next uh, half an hour or 40 minutes we will be discussing on this book i thank my co-host ramesh swami and dr arvind chaturvedi for being with us on this show and our technical team led by ashish shetty tejas navalgur ishwar ayer gadgi rakesh swami nathan vishal mehta najesh nayar for their support to put this weekly program together with this words it is over to dr subramanian swami to initiate this discussion on this book and Nam- namrata will tell us everything about the book over to dr swami thank you <clears throat> yes uh, since uh, we have now determined we will uh, uh, terminate in uh, at 8:45 so i'll be as brief as i can Uh, this is the book uh it's come out very nicely in terms of print and so on it's uh, won't take uh, it's not one of those bulky stuff where you get put off you can uh, read it uh, it's easily available from amazon uh, <clears throat> i found one thing fascinating that she, i mean it's sort of uh, summarizes the some of the things that we are doing she has observed that educated indians prefer avocado to amla olive oil to desi ghee guitar to sitar and spanish to sanskrit now in a sense the educated indians uh, summed up that uh, while everybody knows that uh, the indian alternative is far superior but uh, because of this europeanization that has had um, has been in the past this has happened now uh, her whole uh, idea seems to be that uh, patriotic indians should brand and position our culture cor- correctly that is 
the culture that we have, uh, we are learning it through books in, in English uh, that was written during the British period. They were written by tutees of the Britishers. And so therefore, uh, she wants now to see that uh, we go back to the original sources, uh, base, it, base it on Sanskrit, and then uh, come out with what our real past is. And that's what we want to learn from her. Uh, we have in our own, uh, uh, in our own the organization we have, we have been propagating five things from day one. One is to define who we are. Uh, because the British have created so much confusion in our history books and the duties of the British have done it uh, continuously afterwards. Aryans, Dravidians are nonsensical because uh, there's no difference according to the DNA studies that have come out. Uh, but still in the Western universities, this is being uh, propagated. So she has, uh, the, she, she should know that we in uh, also from the from the angle of the of history, we are uh, of, of very uh, aware of what she has uh, she has advocated in her book. Now, <clears throat> uh, the question of varna and caste: what is the real uh, what is the real meaning of it? Uh, this is another thing that we have been saying that varna, according to Lord Krishna, is a guna. That is, if you are a Jnani, Tyagi, and Sasi, then you you qualify to be a, a, a Brahmin. Or if you are a valorous fighter, you become a Kshatriya. But there's no such thing as birth-based caste, caste or Varna. And um, that has to be put across so that we are all one people. If we are, our DNA is the same, how can we have any distinctions uh, on the basis of birth? Then the question of correct history. And her, her project with the, uh, if I'm uh, correct, her project with the uh, uh, with the Ministry of Culture is to see to research Indian history, and, and see it as by Indians and through Indian perspective. So the, this is also something that uh, we have somewhat great similarity, and uh, we recognize that Sanskrit is now the language of the future, not language of the past. Uh, it's not a heritage that we have to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, extol it, but uh, in artificial intelligence now there have been researches which have been coming out which says that uh, for uh, storing knowledge in uh, computer in the artificial to enable artificial intelligence, uh, Sanskrit is the best language because its script is there's no ambiguity and there is no. Beauty, but a uh, beauty put and beauty, but the com computer doesn't get uh, in voice recording uh, confused by that. So uh, this is another thing, and we have also found that uh, Sanskrit is now uh, being used uh, here and there in uh, the Western world. For instance, in Saint James School uh, for children of uh, ages of six to eleven, who are made in the morning to recite Sanskrit shlokas, and that group of children actually came before when uh, Charles III uh, was being crowned recently. They also um, uh, recited Sanskrit Shloka in his coronation. And uh, the, this is a St. James School, which you can access uh, by going to Google. And finally, economic policy in which we have advocated that uh, spiritual advancement should accompany material prosperity. It's not just, you just don't change, or you just don't go for material prosperity. So it is that same framework. Uh, we are in, uh, we are working uh, in different compartments, but not uh, differently. We will, and I hope uh, her future research is exchanged uh, with us and she comes in the future also when she has made some major research projects completed. And therefore we welcome her. And please feel free, speak freely. Uh, you, we are we are all ordinary people. We are not experts in your field, and uh, we are. Uh, this is not a seminar of that kind. Uh, we we want to learn. We want to absorb what you are saying, and free, therefore speak freely. And it's uh, the time is all yours. If you speak for say 
till uh, from up to late uh, 30 uh, 35 uh, then some questions can also come from our panelists but it's entirely up to you over to you thank you very much dr subramanian swami for that uh, uh, very nice uh, background that you set and thank you for launching my book i couldn't have asked for a better person than you to have launched it because i I think not just me, but very many people would consider you India's foremost culture crusader. There are issues which you have taken up and not just taken up, but taken them to the logical conclusion and the world is aware of it. So uh, it's really a privilege to be on your show and thank you for this platform. So, uh, so uh, you know, briefly, if I start with why I wrote that book and uh, before that, when I wrote this book, because I think that was really important in uh, before coming to the whys of it, the when of it. So the COVID-19 pandemic was the watershed moment in the history of mankind and certainly in our lifetimes. And it was a period which gave us something which we hadn't gotten before. And that was time. And we were locked down. And when you can't go outside, you tend to go inside. So it was a time to deep dive into age-old wisdom, traditional practices, and really understand the worth and the meaning of it. So for the first time, a lot of, lot of Indians, they uh, would listen to Mamurat. Of course, a lot of people must be following it. But Haldi Dut, Desi Kara, they kind of bailed, us, bailed uh, us, many of us out of the health issues which uh, COVID kind of uh, challenged us with. And uh, we realized that the age-old time-tested wisdom, adopting Ayurvedic uh, way of life or... Uh, you know, there were a lot of these uh, oil pulling techniques, which were, uh, which culture kind of helped us during the crisis or just the belief in spirituality. There were people who were chanting Hanuman Chalice on a daily basis and culture helped us during the crisis. But then while culture helped us during the crisis, I also thought that culture itself was in crisis. And uh, COVID-19 pandemic was also a time when we, uh, when many of us realized that all those uh, myths about wealth, power, position, they, they kind of got demolished simply because we, we were as good as our community. So we may have the best of uh, material possessions, property, prime addresses, uh, gold, jewelry, whatever, but nothing really helped us except for perhaps goodwill with others. So this call of community that we are as good as a society, because if there was one case of virus in the school, then the entire school community was at risk. If there was one case of virus in the gated community or the society where one was living, everyone was at risk. So uh, it just kind of uh, became very evident that we are as good as a society. So I think as an obligation, as a responsibility, I thought one must document the high points of one's culture there are all kinds of things that are there in our heritage but some uh, things which we can be really proud of and most unfortunately because we have had a very checkered past we've had acrimonious defeats and history has been very irresponsibly written so it was also important to do the right kind of storytelling and when i say storytelling i'm not saying it's a figment of one's imagination They've been uh, stories kind of sway us. They can change our world. They can change politics, policy, and everything that a country can use. So it was very important to tell India's story uh, from the Indian lens. So for instance, uh, during the second wave, and it was a very unfortunate uh, wave when so many Indians uh, so many people globally love New York Times. They were very quick to comment on uh, India's failures. I mean, no nation in the world can provide for one bed in the hospital for every countryman. And it was a very unprecedented scenario. So uh, that uh, kind of made it uh, uh, that, uh, that kind those kind of situations were uh, very important to uh, it was very important to set the record straight and set the image straight uh, for the country. So when I say storytelling, uh, there can be different ways in which people can help. So people threw their kitchens open, they shared their food, they shared their wealth, uh, 
time, skills, money. There are various ways in which you can help the society. And I thought as a journalist, this is the only thing, skill that I know. So, uh, that, uh, you know, since I have access to some people who are, uh, you know, who are uh, sort of, uh, I would say, uh, custodians of culture, if I may put it that way, it was, it became important to understand from them uh, where, why our culture was in crisis and what is so good about it? What are the things that need to be retained? So uh, the, what was the evidence of the fact that the culture was in crisis? Today, if you spend, say, 10 minutes on Netflix or any OTT channel, the, the preeminent culture that you uh, are uh, negotiating with is the Gali culture. There are volley of abusive words uh, which can offend anybody's uh, sensibilities. Or if you listen to music on primetime radio and hear the quality of songs, and every second uh, song has references to, to cocaine, to alcohol. I mean, you are what you eat. Don't uh, nutritionists uh, uh, tell the children. So you become what you hear. Extending that same thought, I would say the quality of content that you're constantly being fed on is very low level. Then imagine what would be the takeaway of the young impressionable minds. Or if you look at the language crisis, I mean, look at the state of Hindi, for instance. I find mother parents very proudly declaring, Hamare bachche ko to Hindi nahi aati. Ya, <laughs> you know, the principle of a leading public school in Delhi, she seemingly difficult to fill up the Sanskrit section while she had to create half a dozen for other languages. And when I said Spanish over Sanskrit, it is just an alliteration, S and S, but I basically uh, refer to, you know, everything from French, German, Sanskrit, and the whole, if you can do a smattering of these European languages, it's like you have arrived because English is no more uh, considered in that smattering list. It is a must have, it's a mandatory. We unfortunately have come to a state where I mean, people like me also, we think in English because we've been educated in English medium schools. But then the 75 years of India's independence, it's never too late to change the way things are. And as you said rightly in your uh, address on uh, my book launch event, that uh, Sanskrit must become mandatory. It's a must for everyone to know Sanskrit so that we can uh, appreciate our own uh, our own religious texts our literature and these are uh, and understand them not just for our religion but i think life skills or uh, this lang after the language crisis i i can also I, I would also like to talk about the music crisis if you look at how the quality of music is uh, deteriorating and we have this incredible thing in india the traditional folk songs or the classical Indian music, which has the ability to generate so much energy and it has potential to awaken the energy points in our body and take us to a high level of consciousness. Now, that is being played to empty halls and the legacy of artists don't want to continue with that legacy. So today, uh, uh, whereas a Korean pop, for instance, uh, people are willing to pay, and I'm talking of uh, educated elite and the teenage kids, they are willing to pay anything from 5,000 to even 25,000 in a recent concert, which was held in the capital city. So today, a guitar wins over a sitar, a ballet over Kathak, a Spanish over Sanskrit. These are all choices that we Indians are making on a daily basis. Same way, the native instruments such as the veena, the basuri, uh, or take it as being produced to a mere uh, uh, tune on us on the synthesizer palette it's just a sound and when you when a, a native instrument becomes a sound thanks to technology it becomes convenient yes but it does a lot of harm to the playing that particular instrument and very soon and i hear it from music teachers and uh, musicians that similar will be the fate of sitar because neither the parents want to teach their children uh, how to play a sitar they would any day go for a guitar which is much cheaper which makes you look very cool if you are uh, uploading a few videos playing it on social media uh, which uh, is uh, also supposedly having far more takers uh, 
and it's it's become aspirational whereas the desi instruments the indigenous or whatever down market this these are words which people generally use in a very derogatory way and it's very unfortunate but then these uh, these will kill a entire generation of artists practicing them and ditto for banarsi and kanjivaram because the story is getting hijacked by china i mean if we allow this to happen and don't endorse this stuff the handicraft the handwoven then imagine the fate of the uh, 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 fate of the industry the the craft uh, sort of uh, uh, legacy of the country the heritage of india so these are things which i th- thought were points to ponder upon but then i thought that maybe i was overthinking maybe i was being conservative maybe i was not moving with the times and uh, i thought i'll check my hypothesis by speaking with a few people and uh, i happened to uh, you know in uh, get a viewpoint from the former vice president of india shri venkaiya naidu ji and he said something similar he says that the foreign medium has made our children practically foreigners in our own land and that i think is the greatest tragedy of the existing system if you don't use a language you lose a language now dr swami exactly the same point about the legacy of language is something which your organization and you have been relentlessly working on promoting sanskrit which i think is a very very important thing uh, so we have uh, already uh, lost in every week we are losing our our dialects our local uh, you know languages and there has to be some effort for the damage you know we already have there are some positive things happening too for example google duo this year itself i think in the month of may or april has introduced sanskrit and 19 regional languages so that's where technology can bridge the gap and that's where uh, things can because i remember my son who was uh, uh, struggling to find uh, the hindi equivalent of a sanskrit word uh, and could not find it on google duo Uh, suddenly was very pleasantly surprised when it it did introduce google duo did introduce that one particular language so i think these are all very good changes which are happening over time and uh, and then i also spoke to shriji arvind singh mewar who's the 76th historian of the house of mewar and he also say, said something about heritage being our identity being our usp we have to continuously build on it Uh, we cannot allow it to deface to uh, to be diluted or dissolve or deface it then we are simply losing ourselves you take uh, take pride in your roots it's the only thing you have and you simply cannot allow your identity to go away if societies do not preserve and respect their heritage they become faceless homogeneous and may have to search afresh for their identity or jaya jetli ma'am who said that we are very casual about our own culture and she's a lady who has been raised in japan burma studied in usa and uh, you know and, but a heart beats for india and she said these the these foreigners they find these stories extremely unique and exotic uh, the cultural stories that societies like ours like ours have which industrial societies like them don't have so they seem to the west seems to value it far more than the indians themselves or uh, and then uh, in my interact course of interaction dr swami i i found that there were some uh, there were some people who kind of surprised me with what they said so one startling comment uh, it came from a designer uh, patmabhushan mr rajiv sethi and he said that the more people are illiterate the more literate they are about crafts but when they don't they when they don't read about uh, foreign books and they they are far more open minded they know about different types of art and culture and he said uh, and i quote the worst of the lot who close their minds to everything are the educated uneducated the padhe likhe gawar as we put it in local in colloquial way so and he said that hath bana hastinapur only five people are in my hand which which is to say that india is still the most hand skilled nation in the world of rapidly reskilling communities and how lucky we are that we have this culture of hath ka kaam but then how unlucky we are not to be able to value it so uh, like that uh, i was also very fortunate to uh, speak with sadguru jagi vasudev ji who said that india is the land of spirituality and seekers 
and uh, there's no other culture in the world where this is science and the logic and a spiritual uh, you know ethos behind everything we do from the way we stand to the way we pray to the way we eat to the way we perform our rituals in everything it's just that today's curious minds have lots of questions and there is nobody to answer them so people feel that this is all useless and this is all crap but when you have people like you or people like other culture crusaders you know answering them then uh, i think a lot uh, in the in the current generation becomes convinced so uh, what i really found was this that 75 years ago british they left us but only politically but we we are not really free in our minds you know we still have the we have in disinterest in everything indian and obsession with everything western and i would i would extend that to say beyond western i mean everything non indian because today's teenager average metro teenager is form interested in a japanese anime or a harry potter than a jataka tale or you know they somehow it doesn't maybe excite them enough or a korean pop so it's also a lot of asian stuff anything non indian is great and it's it's very uh, degrading for a uh, lot of children to be admitting that they have even listened to a hindi song forget about classical indian music but uh, that's really the culture of the day which uh, uh, i'm uh, you know do- i documented through my book 45 trillion dollars that is the latest figure that the shashi tharoor book of british imperialism gives but then that was just the financial drain the draining away of uh, of of cul- the of culture of the country and the the uh, the self of self confidence that is immeasurable but i think it's high time we did something about a cultural revival and i think we are already the government is already doing it people uh, like you visionaries like you through your organization have been doing a lot uh, we are now a mature democracy we are 75 years old uh, even though as a culture we are several thousands years old i think really uh, i would at the end i'll say that exposure to other cultures is necessary it's really good to know different languages to uh, you know buy international art uh, display them uh, to learn performing arts from different parts of the country but i think after uh, learning your own because time is finite things are infinite uh, it cannot be at the cost of learning one's own that's my humble submission um, because when we become a uh, an imitation of the west west we are only subtracting our own brand equity because what is really our uh, culture it is our brand and uh, we should we should just strive we should just strive to become the best version of ourselves mediocrity in imitation or excellence in originality i think that is the choice we will all have to make over to you dr swami well <clears throat> that's uh, in this short time uh, you have beautifully uh, um concise uh, presentation of your uh, uh, your works and i hope uh, you continue on it and uh, i personally think that uh, where you are positioned now is a very good place for 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 moving it we need to collect people who are uh, <clears throat> accomplished uh, who are no english language too uh and they were able to debate with foreigners because they foreigners are still at it uh, they become indian experts and then they uh <clears throat> they use their scholarship methods to see that the right kind of people come and uh anyone who falls out of line is you know is not acceptable or is uh, run down like the communists used to do with intellectuals in india so <clears throat> i think we need to create a you know new, uh, new uh, sort of um, uh, school of thought uh, and uh, i saw the other day i had gone to release a book of uh, uh, of uh, rajiv malhotra where he talked about uh, uh, i think he talked about snakes in ganges as he said ganges is pure but snakes have been introduced into it and uh, my god the man's uh, knowledge is tremendous but the uh, when the our government was formed uh, uh, that is the bjp government 
Uh, I had suggested that he should be made chairman of a history revision uh, committee. A history revision committee was made, but the entire bureaucracy fought. Found all kinds of loopholes that he was a, not an Indian citizen, blah blah, etc. <laughs> and and uh, you know he got disgusted because he you know takes time away from his research and and, and he still continued doing uh, a lot of research. So that work of writing a, a new textbook for children has still not been completed after eight nine years. And uh, because the bureaucracy have taken complete control. Yeah, that, yeah that was a very big uh, expectation from the government. And it's a bit of a letdown that it hasn't happened. But now that I'm also working with the government of India, I yeah, can just yeah. uh, <laughs> tell you about, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, maybe uh, thing, too little happening too late, perhaps. Uh, that's my personal assessment because I'm also and outsider insider so i can air my views on that uh, but uh, uh, the ddr project uh, digital district repository is all about bharat ki kahani bhartiyon ki zabani so this uh, thing about uh, the freedom struggle being uh, just about a few uh, fighters few celebrated people uh, and i'm not going to take names but everybody knows the freedom struggle was fought by uh, in every nook and the cranny of the country and somehow it did not get represented uh, at the micro level, at the level of district. So at CCRT, since we have a resource personnel, uh, virtually in every district of the country, from Sangin, in Maharashtra to uh, Kozikor in Kerala. I think we have lost her in the long, long run. Are the other panelists able to hear? I no. can hear, sir. Yeah, okay, good. Carry yeah, on. we lost you briefly. Yeah. I see, okay. Continue. Uh, you were referring to that person from Sangli and Kozikod. Can you just uh, start after that? From Maharashtra to yeah. Koikod. It's not Kozikod, but Koikod. Koikod, all right. I stand corrected. So, uh, so this... Uh, uh, micro level data uh, because you know frankly if we don't know where we are coming from then we don't know where we are going and if we don't know where we are going then we are probably go going wrong so a man without the appreciation of his past heritage and history is really like a tree without roots and that will not that is not going to go very far uh, so we thought uh, the history is a foundation it's not like a relic which can be just uh, abandoned and forgotten and also because uh, we were constantly told and uh, even i find it uh, even till date as you rightly said the history books have not been corrected you're constantly told you were plundered you were conquered you were defeated now if there's so much negativity about our history why would we like to remember it forget about reclaiming it also so we need to build those stories of pride of inspiration which kind of uh, make uh, the current generation want to uh, give references to it. And I find even as we are editing those stories and uh, we have already released some uh, 300 of them, we find that this thing about Khadar, uh, 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 you know, using the charkha. Now, it wasn't that it was the most comfortable garment or this, there was nothing uh, better than this before or there will be anything better than that after but it was really the spirit with which it was happening and the glue the nationalism and the patriotism was another level so people have done a lot uh, during the 190 years of colonial struggle and it has not been captured but now that we are getting our uh, ccrt uh, resource personnel to uh, personally visit these homes uh, it's a it's a it's a journey, you know. It's not about just their byline appearing on the website and that's it. It's a journey because when they share the pictures, they they are showing how uh, these people are sharing the tamra patra, which was gifted to them, the the pension slips, the documents, and there's a sense sense of recognition just there, even as they are sharing that information. So I think uh, uh, a lot of uh, events which have gone unnoticed are also getting documented. And that's that's briefly what the uh, yeah. this DDR project is all about. I'll make one short comment, then hand it over to 
Jagdish to give you know ask other of our panelists to participate. You see, uh, when I explain to the audiences, uh, well, I've been doing this for the last uh, 20 years. Uh, they are all, uh, you know, mesmerized by the idea that uh, we fought the Islamic forces for uh, 606 uh, centuries and finally defeated them. It was a formal defeat in, uh, nine, uh, in 1775 uh, in, uh, in Maharashtra when the, when the Peshwas finally finished uh, uh, Aurangzeb's army. But you don't find this anywhere in the book. You'll find it in Western uh, books, but you will not find it in Indian textbooks. Similarly, the British, the British um, uh, within, uh, as you said, uh, they, they came in as traders and all that. But uh, Queen Victoria took over only in 1857 after uh, Rani Jhansi and, and the, the, the first as uh, um, uh, um, uh, we call it as the first war of independence, 1857. That left every year, every decade, you can see some uprising, whether the sadhus started it, Vande uh, Matram came, then uh, Aurobindo came, and then, uh, uh, then of course, thinkers came like uh, Savarkar and then Gandhi. And uh, so the India has never allowed uh, the invaders in our country to rest in peace. We kept uh, challenging them that that's, that's the way we ought to put it across. Whereas in other countries, they took the Australia, they wiped out everybody in the United States, they wiped out everybody. And you know, they became a new new country uh, and, a, and a new new, uh, new uh, um, uh, you know, um, uh, a new race that took over and Americans, uh, the Europeans and so on took over the United States. So, I think the main problem is not only the factual part, but to motivate them to know that you have been a fighter. And last comment I would make is that in uh, when I was fighting the emergency, people told me emergency is for educated people. Well, to fight emergency, you, the country must be educated. The illiterates can never understand democracy and so on. But when the results came out, the most educated part of India, that is the four southern states voted for Indira Gandhi and the most uneducated part, the North, UP, Bihar and all, they wiped out Mrs. Gandhi completely. And in fact, even in UP, they defeated her and her son in their own constituency, which is you know unthinkable for in any other uh, intellectual thing. So that's why I'm saying that the hope in India is there. But we need scholars like you to keep hammering, 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 and not be despondent, despondent ever. Okay, Jagdish. Yeah, madam, going through your book, I see very interesting yes. chapters. So I just want to you to tell our viewers, what is this sari, not sorry? S-A-R-I, <laughs> sari, not sorry. Can you enlighten our viewers? on something on this chapter because it is interesting the title of the uh, contents of the chapter yes. sorry not sorry could you just tell our viewers sir this is actually a takeoff from a recent episode which happened in the capital city where a lady was uh, not allowed she was barred from entering this upscale restaurant slash lounge bar because she was dressed in a sari and it was uh, she was it was supposed to be inappropriate garment or something like that. So uh, the thing is that uh, it's been endorsed by foreigners and they, they really love it. Uh, why do Indians have any problem with it? Even Indian weddings. I find it strange that in traditional Indian weddings, the gowns are taking over, not entirely, but yes, uh, they're also making a dent instead of the Indian sari. So, uh, what one finds is that while on the one hand, uh, the uh, the aspirational middle class is uh, increasingly adopting Western wear, and you find um, everywhere uh, from, uh, you know, uh, get togethers to social events, a lot of uh, the, this is that is the preeminent trend. But on the other hand, really solid women, the corporate honchos, you know, the women in the boardroom, they are still endorsing the sari and sari is something which is heirloom it is legacy it is passed on from generation to generation 
we have a history of uh, so many weaves, so many handlooms, and we are still embracing the uh, the jeans, which uh, which is really the uh, I would say it's the streetwear of of America. And when they tear it apart, we also tear it apart. So I mean that sort of culture we are embracing. We need to be really mindful of uh, our culture, the social setting in, in which we are going. And within this chapter, what really written about is I've spoken to people like Ritu Kumar who have dressed many a Miss India in ethnic attire. And uh, she says that uh, it's her, her favorite garment is a sari. And these are comfortable, soak in the sweat, and are great from, for a tropical climate. So anything which is culture compliant is also climate compliant is also ecology compliant, global ecology also it kind of supports. I mean, just to export something which is not indigenous, which is not homegrown, it takes a toll on the transportation, the logistic cost. And imagine if you are uh, spurring the handloom industry, uh, doing it all locally, wearing local material. So on that note, I'll also briefly talk about the uh, departure from traditional style of making houses. So all these glass gleam facades of the so-called Millennium City. I stay in Delhi and the city next door, Gurugram, Gurugurgaon as it was called earlier and now Gurugram, has all, all glass gleam facades. Now these are energy guzzlers. These simply increase the carbon footprint. So anything which is not uh, culture compliant, I mean those vastu techniques of broken matkas on the ceiling which were acting as a de facto air conditioner, those were the uh, techniques which need to come back and uh, we need to then be more appreciative of the uh, of the architectural techniques of the past. Uh, whether it was the way we dress up, in the sari and the ethnic garment, the way we eat, what we eat, how we stay, where we live in, the traditions, I think in every aspect of life, you, me and all of us can just start uh, you know, right now we're making the right choices. Of course, people on this panel are another breed altogether, and I'm sure all erudite <laughs> listeners also. But I think beyond that, if we can uh, not wait for uh, a lot of parents uh, only grumble about and grudge about the education system, but then if they are bringing someone in their lives, uh, then I think they owe it to... Uh, uh, themselves and to the society to bring to, to raise people better than what they were right so the onus is a lot on the parents the right kind of parenting will be extremely important to um, to make sure that the traditional values get strengthened in our society and they don't start diminishing yeah i think the, our audience can have allow us to have 15 minutes more okay <laughs> it's all the okay well i mean Arvind, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have two issues. Uh, first, I'll take the uh, uh, one which is related to culture and religion. Uh, in India, we say we have Ganga Jamuni Tehzeeb. Ganga Jamuni culture is supposed to be a mix of uh, Hindu and uh, Islamic culture. Uh, in several cities and towns in India, we celebrate festivals which are common to Hindus and Muslims, for example, in Delhi. We have a famous annual festival called Fool Baloki Sair. And this Fool Baloki Sair has been maybe more than uh, uh, several decades now. And uh, But this kind of Ganga Jamni culture, which we uh, say on paper, is not reflected in reality in real life. Yeah. And uh, as we see in our uh, daily lives, there is tension between the two uh, uh, religious communities. Despite all this, saying that India has a Ganga Jamuni culture. So what is your take on this Ganga Jamuni culture? So I'm I'm for one nation, one law, one set of values, uh, one uniform code. Really, that is my stand. And, and I think we should be able to iron out those differences. Uh, in 1947, uh, you know, the Muslims who decided to be on this part of the country uh, have have agreed to I uh, think the constitution being uh, the, the the be all and end all and I think I, I really am looking forward to the uniform civil code. Uh, I'll reserve my comments on the Ganga Jamuna Tehzi because I feel that you know let's do things which 
make the nation, not break the nation. Let's just be able, as Dr. Swami said in his opening remarks, that uh, uh, we, we must do, uh, you know, we are one nation and that is our identity. We are all one people and that difference, uh, uh, delineation on, in DNA, whether it's Aryan, Dravidian, and uh, whether it's a religious division is not something I'm... I'm not an authority on that, so I'll not be able to really say much on that, so unfortunately, yeah. Well, second is also related to culture. Uh, Jagdish, allow me to ask this question. You know, uh, uh, we have a famous quote from an author, Pavan Kumar Burma, who is an ex-bureaucrat. He has written a book called The Great Middle Class. And they say India has a middle class culture. And when they say India has a middle class culture, actually it means India has a middle class value system. So what is the difference between the culture and value system? So maybe I don't know. He has said it in a complimentary way or a derogatory way. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I think it's a, a middle class culture is a very positive culture. It's a, if we are uh, looking at uh, uh, the bulk of India, and I think these are the people who matter. Maybe not the vote banks uh, in the country, but I think otherwise they constitute the ethos and uh, they are the educated lot. So we they, give you 80, they give you 80 percent of the savings of the country. The middle class is the one which uh, provides the bulk of the savings. It's not the rich people who provide the bulk. Of exactly, the they're the taxpayers. They are the they're not the movers and shakers. Savers, but they're not savers. The are, yeah, they, savers. Yeah, savers. Yeah, they're the people who are uh, really adding value. So I myself, being from one, I would definitely uh, vote for the middle class and. Uh, you know, we may be a little bit upper niche, like oh, upper, mid, lower, middle class, whatever. But I think I, I think I really take pride in the in our roots that uh, if we have uh, so the liberalization was the watershed moment after which salaries have gone through the sky. But we have all come from families where there was one, uh, you know, wage earner and everyone kind of uh, having a minimalist kind of uh, lifestyle. So this dil mange more, this maximalism which has come about, uh, this is not Indian culture, I don't think, you know. Uh, this selling carbonated water with loads of sugar, nothing healthy about it, and they're selling it. Uh, that's uh, that's really sad because we are the uh, land of uh, bale sharbat, limbu pani. <laughs> that's right. Why are we Kalakata. not able to market it? And when I talk about branding and marketing, I feel uh, this is the time to actually sell up for instance international yoga day all said and done sir seven years back when it was created as the cultural um, uh, as international yoga day it has it it wasn't that it wasn't uh, yoga was not performed before that or that yoga will not be performed henceforth but i think globally it is the biggest cultural milestone which has been created and it has spurred an entire enterprise the merchandise which uh, uh, they end up selling is phenomenal the uh, uh, the times uh, when yoga gets performed in Times Square in New York, Indians in India wake up to uh, the importance of yoga. So one problem with the middle class is that they think the idea of being aspirational is being uh, anything non-Indian. So this, this somehow this indifference to one's own culture and uh, trying to look uh, you know cooler and smarter and more in step with the times by embracing only other cultures and not your own is where I have a problem. So I, that's why, and I, in my day-to-day -day interactions, when I see that uh, these things are happening, I tell people, like, that's why I wrote the book, Culture During Crisis. That's an, another example. So I'm sure all of you would have, uh, you know, also similar experiences where you find that culture is in crisis. And uh, it would be nice at some point to know uh, what your thoughts on, are on this? But so uh, there is a crisis of culture. Sorry, there is a crisis of culture. Crisis in yeah, crisis of culture because uh, also because our culture is multi-dimensional. It changes every few uh, hundred kilometers. I mean, the language changes, the way we dress up, the way we eat, everything, uh, the way we wear our jewelry, uh, the way we worship, everything changes. So it's it's. Uh, that's the beauty, but that's also the challenge uh, of uh, our particular culture. 
పాఠశాల and it's an integrated padashala where we educate children into our culture and also give them a proper education so i mean um, so it it is pretty interesting and uh, this is the same thing that was shared um, i just quickly shared with you this is what it is all about so it's it talks about women uh, educating girls it says energetic as durga compassionate as lakshmi knowledgeable as saraswati so what they do is they kind of impart because at the end of the day the as you said the parents are too busy uh, they just don't uh, you know uh, they say okay i don't have time both the parents are working i just want to send them to school and want let them do whatever they want this is a change you have to do it at a grassroots level at some point in time you still have to preserve you can't just ignore this stuff so this these are the initiatives and this initiative is supported in a big way from people like us in the us because we have about seven schools now close to about maybe 4000 students so this i mean it started off with few so it's growing so at the end of the day parents are looking at avenues maybe it's a good template for other regions in the country to start such integrated parasala because they want a normal education but when you insert or you you kind of put the regular culture like sampradaya or i mean we call it I mean when we say culture it is it uh, sanskriti or is it sampradaya so we just call one of these things and insert that into their education i think it is much more easier for people to observe kids are sponges they will like give you, they will take up anything that you give them right at the end of the day you just put them at a very right age you can't go and say okay 16 year old change your culture that's not going to happen you put that at the i mean at the grassroots level when they begin they're not going to let go i think that's what was missing all along people just said oh western style of education is the way to go so obviously the kids have adopted to it now we have to start changing you can't just impose it on them it's not going to work so we're starting at a ground level saying okay at a kindergarten level you start imbibing a little bit of culture and sampradaya i think it is a better way to go and i completely agree there is a crisis in culture or sampradaya it is growing faster in the us than in india i can see that because there are competitions all over the world i mean all over the country um so I, at the same i mean so i, I think it's a matter of time and you it is at a crisis and at some point that we need to take alarm and thank you for your service and i think you are in the right place to bring all these changes about in the ministry you are muted so i'm sorry very uh, very interesting uh, work that you're doing mr ramesh swami a um, very amazing work and uh, we need content creators like you you know whether it's in the field of education to make that powerful uh, impact in the society and um, uh, i would like to also uh, share that uh, in our in our own different ways we can uh, create that impact in our professional uh, through our professions so for instance uh, the way uh, rajamouli has created bahubali uh, mm-hmm. or uh, you know nilesh mishra has turned the tide in prime time radio with storytelling or amish departures uh, made uh, shiva trilogy of blockbuster so these are all ways uh, we need good content creators and the minute we have content creators of a high quality i think there are going to be takers like you said ramesh just now about uh, parents warming up to this interesting idea of education children accepting it, it, it these are really it's really then about creating choices for the people and people are very intelligent they will lap it up it's not that our children are going wild it's just that certain things are not exciting them enough maybe we are not able to present it in a way which is accessible which is understandable there maybe it's in a box and it's uh, there are too many jargons and nobody is telling the uh, the stories around it so for instance i remember in a interaction with uh, durga jasraj when she was setting up the pandit jasraj foundation early in the year she told me that newspapers talk about this uh, the cows in denmark producing more milk but then Uh, why can't our media people talk about krishna bansuri bajate the wahan se ye pura shuruaat hi wahan se hui hai so these kind of nuances get to be captured and you know someone 
talking about them in our education curriculum or parents talking to the children about it these are all going to be very valuable uh, inputs towards strengthening our culture and content wise i don't think india likes content it we have enough stories enough you know we have our puranas we have you know our uh, shruti smriti and puranam so we we have you know all the three gives you enough content you just have to be creative enough to take that and put it out in perspective you don't need to go oh my god bravery you don't want to talk about a western bravery thing you have enough people in in the, in our culture also we talk about education bravery you talk anything about it i think we have enough stories that you can create content about so this i think uh, Very yeah, every village in india Arvind, before you wind up, time for you to wind up. But before Arvind wind up, I just want to share an anecdote. In the mid 90s, one day Arvind Chaturvedi, myself, and some others were in Delhi discussing something, and we came across this word sanskar, Hindi word right. or Sanskrit word sanskar. So Arvind and myself were debating what is the English equivalent of sanskar. So we could not arrive at any I don't conclusion. Think one. No, we could not arrive at any conclusion. Then Arvind had a bright idea. I think a number was 174, which is was MTNL number, which used to help people give you the equivalent of some word, either English into Hindi or Hindi into English. So I rang up that number, and that lady was struggling to find the Hindi equivalent of sanskar. Ultimately, she couldn't give us the correct answer. And by a slip of tongue, she said, Angrezo mein sanskar nahi hote. <laughs> what she meant was, Angreji mein sanskar nahi hote, Angrezo mein sanskar nahi hote. So with this anecdote, we are ending this program. Over to Arvind Chaturvedi. Namrata, you have one last point before Arvind, before she had something else to say. Yeah, you have finished that and then Arvind can take over. I think Arvind is frozen, but you can go ahead. Jagdish, yeah, you can I conclude. Just, uh, yeah, I was just extending the thought which you mentioned uh, that uh, there's no dearth of stories in India. I feel every village, every district, every city, every town uh, is so rich with stories. And whether it is in visual art, performing folklore. art, literary oh, art, folklore, folklore uh, mythology, I mean, these are all, and unfortunately, because of the breakdown of the joint family system, you know, and uh, recently I was uh, uh, the guest of honor at Daji's uh, book, Wisdom Bridges, which is all about, uh, which talks about how um, uh, these uh, grandparents are, the, are uh, the bridges of uh, generational wisdom to the next generation. And with nannies, uh, taking over nannies and that kind of uh, changing the ero erosion of the cultural values. Uh, those stories are also going, and uh, they are just being fed on uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, and it's just a, yeah, about just about to mention saying that folklore, this super duper hit of Kantara. It's just a folklore story, but people really want this kind of content, you know. So, like somebody yeah. just talked about it. I was just about to mention when you said folklore stories. I just wanted to say as to why people are looking for such content. I mean, they love yeah. this content, and they so okay. Jagdish, you conclude. I think uh, Arvind is cutting in and out. Ma'am, if you're finished, I'll then conclude. I'm done, sir. I'm done. Thank you. Unfortunately, Arvind is getting disconnected. Thank you, viewers. And thank you, Madam Namrata Kohliji and Dr. Subramanim Swami for this interesting discussion on the book written by uh, Namrata Kohli, Culture During Crisis. And it is published by Notion Press. And our viewers can always go to Flipkart or Amazon to get this book. It is available online. You can order it online. Uh, I thank my co-host Ramesh Swami and uh, uh, Arvind Chaturvedi for participating in the program and our technical team for all their background support for putting this program together. We will be back next week at the same time for another interesting discussion on some topic, topical issues. Till then, goodbye and thank you for watching our program, Words of Wisdom, Gyan Ganga, on every Saturday, uh, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Indian Standard Time. Thank you and Danyavad. Jai Hind. Jai Hind.